There's a buzz in the streets of Jerusalem this morning. Stand with me for the call to worship, and you'll see why. Follow along in our bulletin responsively. As the time came for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Pray together. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are our King, King Jesus, and we want to be your followers and faithful followers. Help us not to just be uh, sunny day Christians, but always faithful to you. May this service today be part of our walk with you and encourage us in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. One of these years, I think we're all going to do this because it looks like a lot of fun. It's great. Thank you, children. We appreciate it. 
Before you're seated, take a moment, uh, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. So welcome to our worship service today and this Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of uh, what the church refers to as Holy Week. And there are some special activities going on this week. Uh, Thursday night at uh, 7, we are hosting a Monday Thursday service. And you may not be familiar with that service, but it is a time to, to think about the, the last night of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross. It's a service that has uh, a lot of symbol a lot of activity to it, as well as uh, prayers and the reading of scriptures. So we invite you to join us uh, Thursday at 7. Friday from 10 to 6 in the uh, church gym, we're hosting a Journey to the Cross this year. Uh, we have added some new things from when we did it a few years ago, but this is a, an opportunity to think through the, the last morning uh, of Jesus' life, from the garden, night and morning, from the garden uh, that evening to uh, the the empty tomb, or the, the tomb. And so uh, we, it, you can stay or as little or as long as you want during that time, but there are a number of things for you to do, and you can come anytime between 10 and 6 and uh, participate in, uh, in this opportunity to think a little bit more about that time in the life of Christ. And then next Sunday is Easter, and you'll notice the uh, schedule of the day is different from normal. We have a baptism service at 745. And uh, some of you have mentioned to me about wanting to be baptized. If you uh, haven't, but you would like to, we have a class for everyone uh, Tuesday at four. Who wants to be a part? Who wants to be baptized? Uh, so please take note of that. And then there's a breakfast following in the gym, and you see the other insert in your bulletin about uh, ways you can help with that breakfast. Uh, if you want to donate some food, if you want to donate some uh, some cash to help purchase some food. Uh, there will also be an opportunity to make donations at the breakfast. It's a fundraising event for our youth who participate in Love Buffalo. It's a, they join hundreds of other youth from the area who go into the inner city of Buffalo to work and to help families and people there. So we invite you to the breakfast uh, next week and then the worship service at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning. There are a number of other things in the bulletin as well of uh, prayer concerns and things that are, that are coming up. Uh, in the uh, coming weeks, we one of the things as a church that we we try to invest ourselves in is what God is doing in other places. We can't be everywhere. We can't be involved in everything, but we can support people who are involved. And so, uh, one of the thing, one of the uh, ministries we support is uh, the Compass Care Pregnancy Center in Rochester. And Dan Tomlinson is here. Dan's a Houghton grad and works with uh, Compass Care, and he's here today to just share a little bit about what's happening in this ministry, uh, a ministry that we support. Well, good morning. Uh, Like Pastor West said, my name is Daniel Tomlinson. I work 
at uh, Compass Care Pregnancy Services and in Rochester, based in Rochester, New York. And uh, we're a medical services organization uh, dedicated to erasing the need for abortion by transforming a woman's fear into confidence. That is our, our mission. Um, before I jump into what Compass Care does, I want to give you an overview of what Compass Care does. But uh, before I jump into that, I want to talk about uh, the problem that we are, are working to eradicate uh, in Monroe County as well as uh, statewide and nationally. Uh, in New York, some of you may know this, but New York is the uh, abortion capital of the U.S. There are more abortions in New York uh, than in any other state in the Union. Approximately 100,000 uh, babies are aborted every single year in New York State. In Monroe County, we refer to Monroe County as an abortion hub, meaning that women from the surrounding counties that are at risk for abortion come to uh, Monroe County to get their abortions. And there are about 2,500 abortions on an annual basis in Monroe County. 20% of all pregnancies in Monroe County end in abortion. 20%, one out of five pregnancies are terminated. Uh, Compass Care's mission, as I stated, is to erase the need for abortion by transforming a woman's fear into confidence. Because we say fear into confidence because it is the fear of the unknown that is driving women to this to this decision. Uh, what is my boyfriend going to say? What are my parents going to do? What about finances? What about school? What about all these different questions? She she doesn't have a vision of what her life would look like with this child, uh, and that is what Compass Care does: is is help her uh, step back from feeling uh, stuck, from feeling trapped, from feeling like she has no other choice. Uh, I need to get an abortion, is what she says. Uh, I have to. And uh, what Compass Care helps her do is step back from her situation, uh, give her the, the information, the support, uh, the services that she needs so that she can, she can have uh, a vision of her future after having had a child. Uh, there are three uh, main platforms that Compass Care uh, ha- uses. They're the medical services organization through a pregnancy platform, um, STD testing and treatment, and uh, we also most recently added an abortion pill reversal uh, platform. Basically, if a woman has started a medical abortion and wants to reverse the effects of that, uh, if she comes to Compass Care within 72 hours, uh, we're able to reverse the effects of that medical abortion and sustain the pregnancy. just want to share with you a, a real quick story. Um, we'll call her Jillian. as a young lady who came in in January having taken the first pill of a medical abortion, changed her mind, wanted to reverse the effects, came into Compass Care. Uh, and actually, she had her last appointment last week uh, at Compass Care, and her baby is, uh, is doing fine, is developing and growing as, as, as he ought to be, um, and kind of an opportunity to, to really snatch that child from the very jaws of death. Uh, but not only that, but her and her mom, when they uh, came to Compass Care for the last time, both, both prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior during, uh, during the appointment. So far this year, uh, for January and February, uh, that we have numbers for, uh, 30 women that came to Compass Care planning on getting an abortion, thinking that they needed an abortion, left Compass Care planning on carrying their babies to term. And uh, 10 women prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior so far this year. Uh, so really excited about what the Lord is doing through Compass Care to reach and serve this at-risk uh, population, to serve women, to dignify them with uh, the services that they need, and to protect the life of their preborn babies. And uh, I want to say thank you to you, Houghton Wesleyan, for your uh, support and your generosity uh, in that regard. So thank you so much, and um, that's it. <laughs>
Perhaps some of you recognize the name Rob Boardman. This anthem was written by a Houghton student and uh, first sung here at Houghton College Church, Houghton Church 15 years ago, I believe. A little bit of history for you. Now the scripture reading from Zechariah chapter 9. Great prophecy for the day of uh, Palm Sunday. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As far as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, Zion, against your sons, Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south, and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bow, used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save his people on that day, as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive, and new wine the young women. This is the word of the Lord. Stand with me for the singing of the doxology as the ushers come to receive our gifts and offerings. This is a day we remember the shouts of praise, but we want to give our praise and thanks also through our offerings, and we think of how some of our offerings go to ministries like Compass Care, bless their work, and bless all the missions and outreach close to home and around the world that spring from these offerings that we share today. May we do it with gladness and joy and with praise to you in Jesus' name.
Powerful words to think about. Content to let the world go by and count its gained but loss. My sinful self, my only shame, my only hope, the cross. It's because of the cross that we come to acknowledge our sin and our need for Christ. And I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin as we begin this time of praying together. Let us pray. God, our Lord and Creator, we acknowledge that we have sinned against you. Our actions have fallen short of Christ. Our attitudes have not reflected Christ. Our words have not communicated Christ. We have been more concerned with our own comfort than with our neighbor's pain. We too often use our resources to protect what we want, rather than being burdened with compassion for what others need. In our fascination with self, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Nevertheless, you have kept faith with us. We ask for your mercy upon us. Strip up of all that is unchristian and help us to live up to our calling through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to enter in time of silent prayer, a chance to meditate on those words, the word of scripture, the words of the song. And um, after the silent prayer, we're going to pray together. And uh, if you would like to come and use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me now. Father, in this moment of silence, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Father, we have offered to you our words of praise, our songs of praise. We have offered our prayer of confession. We have listened to you.
And now we offer our prayers of intercession. We pray today for all among us and connected to us who are grieving. And we pray for your divine comfort to each one. We pray for all who are struggling with issues of health. We pray especially for Barbara Engel, Bill Duzma, for Bob Jobert and Rich Reynolds, Calvin and Laurel Buecher, for Warren Woolsey, Bill Getty, for Phil Mucher, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, for Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett, for Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth, for Dick Gould, for Crystal Blake and Emily Cricklar, and for others who are on our minds and our hearts today. Father, we pray for our church and the ministries of our church, and we thank you specifically today for people who serve as greeters, who welcome us as we come to worship. And remind us that coming to worship is about connecting with you, but also connecting with each other. We thank you for the churches around us, and today we pray for the Short Track United Methodist Church. And Pastor Gary, pour out your blessing upon this congregation of your children. Help them to know that you are with them. Encourage them in their worship today and, and to come. And, and pour out your blessing on their witness to their community and beyond. Father, we pray for uh, the greater needs around us, the greater areas around us, and we pray for Compass Care. Thank you for the work that they're doing to, to help uh, eliminate the need for abortion and for helping women to, to move from fear to confidence. We thank you for the lives that have been changed, and we thank you for, for your love and your concern about all life. And may the ministry of Compass Care be a part of caring for life. We pray for our nation, the elections that are in process, and all the different burdens and needs that we have as a nation. We think of the people of Flint, Michigan, and the uh, difficulties they have with the water supply. Lord, we pray that the solution would come much more quickly than what seems to be anticipated continue to bring the necessary water that the people of Flint need. Lord, we pray for the wider world. Think, Father, of people who are refugees, people who have fled because of war, terrorism, persecution, threats. Lord, in the midst of all of it, we pray that you will protect them We pray that you will help them to find places of refuge. And we pray that you will bring an end to all of these things that have created the atmosphere of needing to be a refugee. That they might return to home. And it really would be home. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar. Lord, thank you for the positive things happening and the government there and And uh, we pray that you will continue to help our brothers and sisters to have more and more freedom, to to live out their faith, to worship, to share their faith. Father, help them to have courage in the midst of difficulty, to have a spirit of forgiveness, 
about things that might have happened in the past and to be a beacon of hope in the midst of darkness. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for the promise that you've made us that you answer prayers in the way that you know is best. So we offer our prayers today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Stand with me for the reading of the Gospels. This day was marked out in history, in God's calendar, from Old Testament prophecies. We learned that. So now let's listen to Matthew chapter 21. Hear the word of the Lord. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes gently and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that follow shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany, where he spent the night. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. If someone asks me, do you like surprises, my answer is typically, well, that depends. Right? I mean, there's some surprises that you are excited about. You know, the surprise of that gift on your birthday or Christmas that you hoped for but didn't think you were going to get. Or uh, I was at a conference a couple of months ago, and I didn't think about it at all when I, before I went. And I got there and realized that one of my best friends from high school was going to be at that same, was at that same conference. And total surprise to both of us. And we had such a great time reconnecting with each other. Hadn't seen each other for 35 years. And it was awesome. And, you know, those kinds of surprises are fun. Something you don't expect to happen does. And it's like, wow, that is so cool. But there are other surprises that, you know, we, we'd rather avoid. You know, we, we'd rather avoid some of the surprises that come in consultation with a physician. Or we'd rather avoid the surprises of, of life that mean we're going to go through pain or difficulties or struggles or somebody has done something that we couldn't believe they would do and they've hurt us. It all depends on the surprise. One of the things I discover when I think about surprises is that God loves surprises. God loves to surprise us. And sometimes those surprises we embrace and sometimes we'd rather reject. But I'm convinced that God loves to work through the unexpected because it reveals something about the truth of our hearts. If, if, we are, if, if a word comes to us from a source we expect and in a way we expect, of course we're going to probably receive it. But what if a word from God comes to us from someone we never would have dreamed possible and in a way we would never have imagined and in a setting that we couldn't have dreamed? Are we still open to listen? Do we still hear? I think there's something of that going on in this story among all the things happening in this story that Matthew records about Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. There are a lot of things going on here, but up to this point, Jesus has pretty much avoided Jerusalem. And the few times when he seems to be in Jerusalem, he's not making a big fanfare out of it. He almost sneaks into the city and sneaks out. But now, as the time approaches, and John tells us he set his face toward Jerusalem, and and we have this, this moment where... Everything that he's done in his ministry is coming to the culmination, and the end is near. And now when he comes to the city, it's big. And this is not, he doesn't come in this way because somebody in the group, one of the disciples thought, hey, that would be a cool idea, you should ride in on a donkey. No, it's all Jesus' idea. He plans it, he prepares it, he, he gets it all ready. He sends the disciples to find the donkey, and, and he's the one that, that creates the whole scenario. And he comes in and the people cheer him and and they put palm branches down and they shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and those are all things that, in one way or another, connect with the messianic prophecies, like the one we read in Zechariah a few minutes ago. And really what Jesus is doing, I think, is declaring himself to be the king. He's saying, I am the king. 
I'm the one you've been waiting for. This is all coming to culmination. But he isn't content to, to come in the humility of the donkey to declare himself the king. He also goes to the temple. And now his declaration is a little more authoritative. In the temple, there are these courts of the temple that, that keep moving outward. And in the, the first is the Holy of Holies. And the high priest is only able to enter that space once a year. And then you have the, the area that only priests can go into. And then you have the area for, Gentile, for Jewish men. And then the area for Jewish women. And then you have the court of the Gentiles. And you can only go so far into the temple depending on which of those categories you match. And here are, here, here are the people coming to sell animals for sacrifice. And it's not a bad thing that they're doing. Pilgrims are coming to Jerusalem during Passover. They are, the, the city is teeming with people. And it's a little bit difficult to travel 50, 100 miles or more to come to Jerusalem carrying animals with you and dragging animals along with you. And so the, the temple, people of the temple say, well, why don't we help them out? So we'll provide animals. They can buy them from us. They don't have to bring their own. And of course, the, the, high, the priests are responsible for making sure the animals that are sacrificed are without defect. That they're not just, you know, some mangy runt that nobody wanted anyway. And we'll bring that to, to, we'll give that one to God. Which Malachi has some things to say about that as well. But, but they, they, so they, they have to make sure that the, that the animals are right and appropriate. And so what they discover, somebody gets the great idea that if the only animals we allow to be sacrificed are the ones that we sell, we can jack up the price. And that seems to be what they're doing. It's not a matter of, oh, they're, they're exchanging money in the temple, at least that's not all of it. But they're taking advantage of people in their time of need as they come to worship God, and, and they're taking advantage of them. And Jesus is appalled by that. And so he starts turning over tables and driving them out. But the other part of it is that they're set up, seem to be at least set up in the court of the Gentiles. The only place that Gentile people can come and pray to God. And so Jesus says, look, this is, this is a place of prayer. And it's a little hard to pray. If you've ever been in an outdoor market with animals, it's not exactly conducive to prayer. And so Jesus is, as the king, he's making an authoritative statement about some things related to the kingdom. That the kingdom isn't like this. And as the king, he gets to do what he wants. It's the prerogative of the king. You get to do things the way you want to do them. You get to make the rules. And Jesus says, all of these things that you've been doing, we're going to change. I have something to say about that. And nobody expected it. And throughout this whole story, Jesus, the great authoritative, authoritative king, comes into Jerusalem, as Zechariah says, and as Matthew says, humbly. You would have expected him to come with horses and wielding swords. And he comes to the temple, and instead of saying, I don't want to upset the status quo, he throws things into chaos. And the more I think about this whole scenario, the more I see and I'm reminded of how often 
God speaks to us, God's word comes to us through the unexpected. Now, if it's somebody we respect, if it's someone who uh, is mentoring us, someone who's teaching us, someone who we're in close relationship with, for them to, to speak a word of God into our lives, intentionally or unintentionally, we tend to accept that. But what if it's somebody we don't respect? What if it's someone we're teaching and they have a word for us about our lives? What if it's somebody who has a completely different political view than we have? Somebody who has a different theological view than we have? Someone whose moral code is completely different than ours? What if God wants to speak to us through those people? Will we listen? It doesn't mean we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with the choices they're making or the positions they take. But in some ways, that has really little to do with this particular element. Do we believe that God can still speak to us through people and circumstances and situations that we would typically reject? What about times of our failures, our struggles? What about times of pain and heartache and disappointment? Do we believe that God can speak into those moments? There are really two groups of people here in Jerusalem. You can divide them up into two groups. You have one group that, that when they see what Jesus has done, worship him. They accept him. And then you've got a group of people, when they see what Jesus has done, they get upset and angry and indignant because Jesus isn't following the rules. Jesus isn't doing things the way he's supposed to. And even more than that, Jesus is infringing on our, our ability to make money, to gain power. And what's intriguing to me is that the group that rejects Jesus ought to be the group that accepts him. I mean, they know the scriptures. They have every advantage in the world to hear God, to know God, to experience God, to encounter God. Everything about life is in their favor. But that's part of the problem. Life is okay. Life is good. I don't want to hear God's word to me. Whereas on the other side, you have a group of people that Matthew labels as needy, lame, the blind, children. Outcasts of society, people who have really no influence, no, nothing to say to society. And it's through them that God speaks. And when they hear God and see Christ, they respond positively. And what frightens me is that probably, if I'm really honest about my life, my life in terms of advantages and knowing things about God and experiencing God, is probably more like the people here than the people here. And the problem with the people here is that when God comes in a way they don't expect, that they don't want, they reject Him. So how do we hear How do we avoid being in that group of people? 
I think, I think we have to live our lives trusting, believing that God can and does indeed speak to us through any person at any time and any circumstance. The potential is always there. It doesn't mean that God always does. But we have such an openness of heart that we believe that God speaks to us in circumstances and through people that we would almost automatically reject as agents of God's word. Again, it doesn't mean we have to agree with them. It just means that our hearts are so open to God that even when he speaks to the most unlikely people and in the most unlikely experiences, we're open enough to God that we hear it. We believe that. But I'm convinced that we'll never believe that unless we have a spirit of gratitude to God for not leaving us in our status quo and mediocrity. We, we live our lives in gratitude that God wants more for us. God wants us to flourish. He wants us to experience the fullness of what he created us to be. And that means not letting us live our lives just settling for where we are that may feel comfortable. But it's so far short of what God dreams for us and what God created us to experience. We ought to give thanks to God for that. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't give thanks to God for that. I'm, I'm unhappy that God is challenging me and pushing me and, and wanting to be more because it's often painful. And I kind of like the, the complacency of the status quo. You know, there are times where life is okay. It may not be awesome, but it's okay. It's sort of going along. I feel like I've got control of it and it's good. Let's just stay right here. And all the while God is saying, well, you can stay there, but I've got so much more for you. And yes, it will be painful getting there sometimes, but it's so much more for you. And I want to wake up every morning saying, God, thank you that whatever happens today, you're going to be using move me closer and closer to that kind of flourishing life that you created for me. But ultimately, I'm convinced that underneath that spirit of gratitude is a, a spirit of humility. We'll never, we'll never be grateful to God for waking us up and and. and jump-starting us out of our, our mediocrity that will then help us to trust Him. We'll never have that spirit if we don't truly believe that we haven't arrived. I think at the heart of this whole issue is we sometimes believe we've arrived. We, we've, we've gotten there. We, we've done enough. We're good. And, and that's, I think that's the problem with, with a lot of the folks in Jerusalem who are indignant with Jesus because they feel like he has nothing to say to them. They've arrived. They know it all. They figured it out it all. Life is good. I don't need any more. I'm fine. Whereas the group of people over here, the lame and the blind that Jesus heals in the temple, and you see this all throughout Jesus' ministry, they flock to Jesus because they know they have a need. They know they need Jesus. 
And when the dust settles, they're the ones whose lives are blessed. While this group of people put Jesus on a cross. Craig Barnes says that it can be kind of a a dangerous thing to be to be chased by God. To experience God's grace. You know, we think God's grace is sort of coming to us, put patting us on the head and saying, Okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. We'll just act like that never happened. Let's just forget that. Let you know that let's just move on. Everything's okay. Don't worry about anything. Just just do what you want to do. But the reality is the grace of God is continually challenging us and confronting us and, and getting in our faces. Why? Because God wants more for us. And in our mediocrity and in our willingness to be complacent and to settle, when life, is, when, when all the, the things that come at us as, as God's word are things we expect, we have a tendency to ignore them. But if we're open, and God wants to speak to us through completely unexpected people and circumstances and in, and in unexpected times, it jars us. But it's that very jarring that reminds us, I have a long way to go. Thank you, Lord, for not letting me be. Thank you for wanting more. And the nature of God's unexpected word to us is not, is not to punish us. It's, it's not to confine us. It's to set us free, really. And to lead us to a life of flourishing. So I want you to think for just a moment. Think about someone, a people group, a circumstance... Maybe something comes to your mind immediately of something you've been going through or a person in your life that, quite frankly, to think about them being an agent of God to speak into your life seems impossible. In fact, it, it, it sort of repels you. What if God said, that's the very person that's the very circumstance that I have something to which I have something to say to you. Would we hear it? Father, in this moment of silence, speak to us. Jesus as the King. We wholeheartedly and with great joy submit to you. Pray that you will give us grace to hear you, to see you in any and every way 
you desire to reveal yourself and your word to us. That we might be the people you created us to be. Who flourish. And we ask this in your grace. the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.